Welcome to the Middle East Update with Amir Sarfati. Amir discusses the latest news from Israel and the region through the lens of biblical prophecy. The original video versions can be found on Behold Israel's YouTube and Facebook channels. To make it convenient, we've converted them to audio format to keep up with your busy schedule. Be sure to also subscribe to Amir Sarfati on Telegram for daily updates from the Middle East. Amir's Middle East updates are based on the latest and most reliable sources, so you know you're getting the most accurate news. Now, on to the update. Shalom, everyone. This is Amir Tsofati, and we started with the dramatic video from Moscow uh, from 3 a.m. last night. 3 a.m., the middle of the night, two UAVs penetrated the Russian air defense system and made it all the way to the Kremlin. We're gonna, uh, you know, probably ask ourselves who sent it and all of that. But, but uh, again, we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about other things that happen in Ukraine with Russia, and we're gonna talk also about the Gaza violence over the last 24 hours, and talk about Syria and the Iranian president that uh, is visiting there today and signing quite a few deals, and the topic of the war in Sudan, because many of you wrote us and you want to know what in the world is going on there, and how is that going to play a role in Bible prophecy. So all of that we'll do after we pray. So Father, we thank you so much for your word, for your promises, literally where can we go and to whom can we go? It is with you, Lord Jesus, that you, uh, there are uh, words of eternal life. And in your word, in your promises, we can find hope and peace. And uh, in this world, we will have tribulations and we will hear about so many of those. So we thank you that we have your word, we have your promises. We also thank you that uh, you... Uh, are going to open the eyes of our hearts to understand the wonders of your word and to understand how world events relate to your promises. We thank you and we bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. So again, shalom everyone. This is Amir Tsarfati. Drama in Moscow. Few days before Victory Day Parade in Moscow that mark the victory of the Red Army over Nazi Germany. And uh, let me show you what happened at 3 a.m. at the Kremlin. Take a look at this, folks. A UAV flies and explodes, boom, right on top of the dome of the Kremlin. And um, allow me to show you something interesting, folks. Take a look at this. A lot of people don't understand. Take a look at this, okay? There are two people climbing up that dome. Take a look. They're climbing up that dome, you see, as the drone approaches and explodes right there. Now, pay attention. The drone explodes in the air, not on the building itself. Of course, there is an effect, but it explodes in the air and falls on the ground. Okay. That's the footage that is circulating all around. Other videos, other videos are actually showing 
smoke rising from the Kremlin, which is the debris of uh, the drones. But uh, folks, uh, let me let me tell you something. First of all, it's hard to determine who did it. The Ukrainians already said we did not do that. The Russians already said we know the Ukrainians did that. And the Russians are already saying that it's time to eliminate Zelensky and his gang. It's time to eliminate the presidential palace in Kiev. And all of that few days before Victory Day Parade in Moscow. And by the way, when you show the video, take a look. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Can we show again the video of, of the Kremlin? I don't know if you can do that. Take a look. They're already ready for the parade down below. You see all the seating with the Russian flag colors, all the banners. It's ready for the parade. It's surreal to have a victory day parade below the Kremlin that actually has explosion right there. And, and I want you to understand something. You need to get into the, the, the mindset of, of the Russians to understand how they look at this one. Okay, first of all, they knew it happened, but they kept it quiet for 12 hours. The first video that was leaked and information that was leaked was actually by the Russians themselves more than 12 hours after it happened. And they didn't want to look like they're under panic, that they're under attack, that they didn't want to give anyone the feeling that this is the right time to strike more, blah, blah, blah. They waited for it to be perceived as a terror attack that has been dealt with and it's all under control. Second thing I want you to know that um, what we believe happened is that the Russians knew that is something is approaching and somehow with their electronic you know warfare they were able to uh, get those things uh under control before they hit uh buildings actually the russian kremlin says that putin wasn't even there he was actually in his home uh, outside of moscow running the business of the country but um so there was no danger to him but they could not avoid the fact that there were videos of smoke rising there were a blast, blasts that were heard, and people already talked about it. And they had to release the video to show that it's not as bad as people say. So, um, just so you understand, uh, one thing first of all, a few days before the Victory Day parade, which is the most important day on the Russian calendar, it is a humiliation to Russia and it shadows or overshadows on all the parade itself. Look, it's a victory day parade, but actually behind the Kremlin was under attack. It, uh, it presents the Kremlin as vulnerable and, uh, and also basically presents the Ukrainians as those who can actually reach almost every point within Russia. And that's why the Russians immediately said this is just an act of terror because they needed to reduce this damage to their image. The Russians are now checking what happened to uh, to their you know technical uh, uh, capabilities or the ones of the Ukrainians if it even ever happened. And remember, 
America supplies weapon to Ukraine under the assumption that Ukraine will not use it to attack Russia itself. And it could be that this whole operation was basically meant to put a uh, some sort of a, um, uh, element uh, between um, the Ukraine and America and to strengthen the voices in America that are fearing of a world war uh, out of this one. The Ukrainians believe that a Russian response could be actually attacking the presidential palace in Kiev or any other targets of members of, uh, of the government. The Russian honor will not allow them to go and overlook this without any same proportion response. It is clear that the Ukrainians must be very careful from now on because Russia so far refrained from bombing Zelensky's uh, palace on all of their attacks. And uh, remember, when we speak about the counterattack of the Ukrainians, it's still not seen in the, in the horizon. The Russians hit something very big a few days ago, and, and that is exactly where I want to take you right now. A few days ago, there was a large-scale, very unusual Russian strike in Ukraine. Very large-scale and very unusual Russian strike. Let me show you this video that was uh, uh, taken of a munition um, uh, a munition storage that was uh, blown up by a Russian cruise missile. You take a look at this right now. Yeah, let's show it. Let's take a look. It almost looked like a nuclear. Right, take a look at the blast. Take a look at the the massive area. Take a look. The Ukrainian thought they're being under a nuclear attack there. It was so powerful. Now, let me explain what happened. Let me explain what happened. I want to put the, the map of the Russian uh, land bridge between Crimea, which they took from Ukraine in 2014, and the Russian territory. As you can clearly see, the area that the Russians suspect that the counterattack of the Ukrainians will be launched from is Pavlograd. That is where they attacked mostly three days ago with some very, very uh, heavy, I mean, a number of heavy bombers that came. Some of them came from the Caspian Sea. Others came from the Arctic. And those heavy bombers, I mean, I've got the, uh, I've got the um, actual... Um, numbers um, of uh, let me let me let me show you we're 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 talking about um, <clears throat> we're talking about something very very big and uh, the uh, the tons uh, I mean we're talking about 170 tons of rockets bombs explosive that was dropped by those bombers, heavy bombers that came all the way. We're talking about nine of them that came from the Arctic and two of them came from the Caspian with tens of tons of, 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 of explosive. This was big. This was big because the Russians said to themselves, we better kill it before it starts. We don't want a, a, an Ukrainian counterattack to start. 
we don't want them to cut this bridge between Crimea and motherland Russia. And therefore, they dropped so much explosive there. It was just all night things were burning. It was crazy. They attacked military bases, railways. Um, they attacked munition storages. You see, the Ukrainians are amassing their tanks and planes and so much that they just received over the last few weeks from NATO. And uh, the Russians do not want to wait for this counterattack. They wanted to preemptively strike, and so they did. And it could be that uh, this UAV attack on the Kremlin was the Ukrainian response. I'm not saying it is, but I'm just saying that if you put yourself in the shoes of the Russians, the last thing they want to show to the world is that the Kremlin is vulnerable. You don't want that to be seen. It's almost like for America to show that the White House is under fire and, you know, there's smoke rising from there and all of that. This is a very bad uh, image of a country that's supposed to show strength of a superpower. So that's what happened over there. Um, this war is going nowhere. It's not going to end soon. Russia is arming itself still by the, with the help of Ukraine and even of China. And don't be mistaken, it's not going to end soon, but it will escalate and it will be, we will see the use of unusual weapons in, a, in, in manners that we have not seen before. And uh, maybe that which happened last night in Moscow could start this domino effect. Now, let's talk about a very a large-scale unusual strike that Israel conducted in Syria while the um, uh, Iranian Minister of Foreign Affairs was in Lebanon. Israel destroyed multiple, multiple um, um, targets um, in the city of Homs and the city of Aleppo. The Aleppo airport was uh, is out of service. It cannot be used anymore. Uh, not for now, until they fix things up. But what we probably destroyed, and this time we flew not from the Mediterranean, but actually from the Tanf region of the border of Syria with Jordan. And we entered from there up north, and we were striking there. And ladies and gentlemen, just so you understand, that was very unusual weapon that was just transferred by Iran into Syria to be loaded on trucks and taken to Lebanon for the Hezbollah. And so Iran is definitely behind the scene and Israel is sending a message. The Iranian president arrived today for a visit. And I don't know if you want, if you follow me on Telegram, but you should. Let me show you, by the way, all those news with much more you can get on Telegram. All you need to do is just scan this uh, QR code. It'll throw you straight to my channel and you just have to press join. It's important because I actually show there that the Ukraine, the Iranian president, Raisi, arrived today after um, 12 years of uh, Iranian presidents not visiting Syria. And let me tell you something. He introduced Assad to the Iranian military and political uh, power. Basically, and I wrote that on Telegram, you can see, I wrote that Raisi introduces to Assad his new bosses. Because Raisi came to Assad 
And he basically said, look, you guys owe us so much money, um, but we know you cannot pay, so we want territory. We want military bases. We want we want access to natural resources. We, we want to, you know, we want to, you know, somehow benefit from everything we did for you and help you. And so they signed so far on 15 agreements that basically enslaves Syria and be, make them a, uh, I mean, client of, of Iran forever. So the Iranians basically, if it was only in actions of some, some militias, now it's the euro and de facto, it is right now the boss in Syria. And we have to get used to this new situation, which now brings me to what went on in Israel for 24 hours yesterday. Take a look at this. Yesterday, um, well, two days ago, a Palestinian prisoner, 45-year-old Palestinian prisoner, Hader Adnan, um, who was arrested on, on, on February 5th for the 13th time, uh, he died because he was on a hunger strike for 86 days. He basically committed suicide. He, he, he actually starved himself to death. He wouldn't allow anyone to feed him. And so what happened is, because he died, the Islamic Jihad in Gaza decided to teach us a lesson. Take a look at what they did. Are you one? <laughs> and they were happy. And they were smiling. And take a look at a closer video of the actual rockets that were launched from Gaza towards Israel, more than 100 rockets within 24 hours. There you go. And I will also show you how a rocket landed in a construction site in a neighboring city of Sderot, the Jewish city of Sderot, which is a growing city, lots of construction. Look, this is when the rocket is hitting. And unfortunately, a Chinese construction worker, the, con the Chinese construction worker was badly wounded. I, I think I, yeah, that's him. I didn't want you to see face, but that's him. That's it. One person badly wounded from the Palestinian attack. And Israel responded with strikes on my Telegram channel. You see videos of the strikes that throughout the night, we drop bombs, we drop, uh, you know, rockets. We really didn't do much. Unfortunately, I must say, most of the Israelis are super disappointed with Israeli reaction. Now, a lot of people try to understand what is the rationale? What is the, how come an Israeli prime minister of a very conservative, militant government is responding in such a weak way? And the only thing that comes to my mind is this. The Palestinians are not going to disappear. This whole thing will come and go all the time. The Bible says in Psalm 120, Woe is me that I dwell in Meshech, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. My soul has dwelled too long with one who hates peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. They don't want peace. They want us piece by piece.
They do not want peace. They say that. They proclaim that. They do not want the state of Israel to exist. Okay, so we cannot get rid of them. We're going to have these rounds of violence all the time, but it's under control because Israel is 50,000 times stronger than them. We are getting ready for something much bigger than this. It is still Iran is pulling the strings. We've got Hezbollah with 150,000 rockets aimed at us, and we've got the militias in, in Syria, the Iranian militias in Syria with another 50,000, the Houthis in Yemen, and we have got the Palestinians themselves, and some militias in Iraq as well. So, interesting, when we talked about Ukraine, Iran is arming Russia. When we talk about Lebanon and Syria and Iraq and Yemen, Iran is arming them. When we talk about Gaza, Iran is supporting the Islamic Jihad. This is a, a faction of, of the Revolutionary Guards. This is it. And now, of course, it brings me to the war in Sudan, and you will see the Iranian connection right now. But before I do that, before I do that, I want to uh, I want all of you to know that yesterday my new book has the tribulation begun was finally released with the study guide. This is such an important book, the most evangelistic book, and something that is desperately needed because there's so much sensationalism nowadays. People get it all wrong because so many people are trying to tell them so many foolishness, so much foolishness. In fact, um, I want to read to you uh, what I wrote in the um, forward, in the dedication. I, I dedicated this book to the faithful followers and supporters of Behold Israel, but I also said towards the end, you have rejected all the sensationalism bought, brought into by those who lack wisdom, character, and discernment, and instead you have chosen to submit yourself to the leading of Scripture alone. I'm blessed to have you as part of this ministry. And so I want you to know that the book is out there, and if you get it now in the, last, in the next three days, it will count on the book scan, and it will help the book receive the numbers that will cause the big stores to get it to their shelves, such as Walmart uh, and Target, uh, Hobby Lobby and others. So please help me. I put the QR code, get it. It'll bless you and give it to so many non-believers because trust me, they may not read it, but after the rapture, they'll run to that book and understand what just happened. Now, let's move to the topic of this uh, uh, of this con uh, update, which is the war in Sudan, because so many people don't understand what is it exactly that is going on there. So, first of all, allow me to tell you that um, there's a, a lot of confusion, but but bottom line, there is a civil war right now in Sudan. And the civil war is causing mass evacuation of foreigners. Take a look at these photos. Foreigners being evacuated right now by their own countries. We're talking about European countries, the UK, the US. Everybody's evacuating as many as they can right now, as you can see all around. And the evacuation so far is amassing 100,000 people. Now, within 
Sudan, 300,000 people left their homes and they're wandering within Sudan trying to find a quieter place. So 100,000 were evacuated out. 300,000 are trying to find their way within the country. And the country is torn, basically. And all of that, believe it or not, I, 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 it's amazing. It has nothing to do with ideology. It has nothing to do with religion. It has nothing to do with, you know, political differences. No. It has to do with power struggle between two generals. These are the two generals, and you can clearly see on the screen, the one on the right, which is the leader of the military, and the one on the left, which is the leader of the rapid support, um, the rapid support forces, the RSF. So you understand two generals are now fighting about who is going to control Sudan. Now, let me, uh, let me explain a little bit. First of all, the RSF is led by General Muhammad Hamdan Dagolo. And everybody calls him Hemedti. Hemedti is his nickname, but it's from Hamdan, Muhammad Hamdan Dagolo. He worked alongside the Sudanese army to help keep the military in power. And uh, when they ousted uh, President Bashir, the political transition was supposed to result in elections by the end of 2023. Following, uh, but but with General Burhan, who is the leader of the military, promising a transition to civilian rule. But it appears that neither Burhan, the one on the right, or Dagolo, the one on the left, has any intention of relinquishing power. And let me also tell you this. Since April 15, 2023, where it, it all started, the struggle, it, the violent struggle started. Members of the RSF, the militias, and the Sudanese army have engaged in gunfights in the capital, Khartoum, as well as elsewhere. Take, take a look at the map of where the clashes are uh, in Sudan right now. Take a look. I mean, it's really all across the country, from the east, from Port Sudan, all the way to the middle in Khartoum, all the way towards Darfur and West Sudan, uh, as you can clearly see, everywhere clashes in this war-torn country. Now, we're talking about this. Dagola rose to power, the, the, the leader of the RSF, the beginning of the early 2000s, when he was basically the head of a militia that was called Janjaweed. It's a group that is responsible for human rights atrocities in the Darfur region. She... What happened is the Darfur people are, are uh, basically Africans that uh, accept themselves as, um, as such, whereas the rest look at themselves as Arabs, okay? That's how it is. And they, they tried to uh, basically, uh, they, they actually were accused by the International Criminal uh, Court uh, for acts of genocide. And uh, Dagolo was rising up the ranks as they were doing that. And as the head of the RSF, Dagolo has faced accusations of overseeing that bloody crackdown uh, of Darfur. But also in 2019, 
when he actually massacred 120 protesters. The actions of Burhan, by the way, the other general, similarly have seen the military leader, uh, they were heavily criticized by human rights groups as well. So what is it all about? It's not really about ideology, but about power. We're not talking about two men or factions with ideological differences over the future direction of the country. This uh, cannot be even framed as left-wing versus right-wing or about warring political parties. It is basically a geo, uh, uh, it's, not even, it's not even a geo-religious conflict, pitting the majority of the Muslim North against the Christian South. It's not even racialized violence in the same way the Darfur conflict was when I said to you that they were the... The, the, the army was self-identified Arab Janjaweed killing the black people. So what is it? Basically, it's a battle between two men who are desperate not to be ejected from the corridors of power by means of transition to an elected government. They want to be the one in power. Sudan maybe, if I'm not mistaken, had more coups than any other African nation since going in de gaining independence from the UK in 1956. There have been coups in 1958, 69, 85, 89, and 2019. So from 89 to 2019, there was uh, Omar al-Bashir, uh, the, the, who was reigning for three decades as a dictator, and uh, when Bashir was ousted or deposed in 2019, it was very shocking to many people because they thought, you know, that he would die in power. But he was actually removed, was placed under house arrest or in hospital. And then, of course, now the two generals are basically fighting. Now, is this going to become a regional war? A lot of people think it could be. But now... Listen to this, folks, because now it's important. Take a look at other countries that suffered civil war in the region. In Lebanon, take a look at Syria, take a look at Yemen, take a look at Iraq. What is the common thread? You got that one right. Iran took advantage of it, penetrated, supported one side, armed one side, and eventually got a foothold, grabbed control. And why is it so important? Because the Saudis thought we are buying peace in this agreement under the auspices of the, of the Chinese. The Saudis had no clue that the Iranians, that octopus, is going to not only surround them from the south and from the north and from the west, but also it is going to surround them from the um, across the Red Sea. And if the, if the Iranians are going to eventually get there, and I believe they will, the Saudis will be in, within a literally rocket range from, from Port Sudan all the way straight to um, Mecca and Medina, if they want to. It's, it's quite amazing to see that. And now, I also want you to know that the Sudan and Libya are neighbors. And even biblically, and we're now going to talk about Sudan in the Bible, 
Biblically, they were always mentioned together. Sudan, Libya, Egypt, and Israel were all named after the um, grandsons of Noah. So now I'm, I'm moving to uh, the biblical part of uh, ancient Sudan, which was not called Sudan, it was called Kush. I'll take you now to Genesis, particularly first at Kush. The kingdom of Kush is covering most of Sudan of today, a little bit of southern Egypt, but the rest is all Sudan. So we're talking about Kush in the Hebrew Bible that often is being translated in English Bibles, listen to me, often translated to Ethiopia, and I'll, I'll explain why this mistake. Now, take a look. Kush is Sudan. Put is Libya. Now let's see what um, Genesis 10 is showing us. Take a look at this one. The sons of Ham, which are now the grandsons of, 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 of Noah, they were Kush, Mitzrayim, Put, and Canaan. Kush is Sudan, Mitzrayim is Egypt, Put is, um, is um, Libya and Canaan, the ancient name of the land of Israel before it became the land of Israel. So you see, it wasn't names of country, it was first names of people, the grandsons of Noah. And then, of course, it became the name of that region where they you know, multiplied and eventually took control. So remember, Whenever you see, in many cases, when you see the word Ethiopia in the Bible, in the Hebrew, it doesn't say Ethiopia at all. It says Kush. And in the Greek, Ethi, Ethiopia, or Ethiopia, it comes from the Greek word burnt face or burnt skin, and has, has nothing to do with a country. It has to do with ethnic. Uh, background of, of specific area known as Kush, also known as Nubia at that time. So now I would like to uh, take you to see a little bit of Kush because it's mentioned in the Bible other times. For example, in 2 Kings, take a look at this. In 2 Kings, and the king heard concerning Tirhaka, king of in the Hebrew, Kush, not Ethiopia. Look, he has come out to make war with you. So he again sent messengers to Hezekiah. Ladies and gentlemen, while Assyria, Sennacherib came from Assyria towards, from the north towards Jerusalem, the king of Kush, the Kushite king, Tirhaka, already took over Egypt. And this is the help that um, uh, we're talking about uh, that the Israelites wanted to get um, from, and that is, of course, the weak cane that Israel was about to lean on. But ladies and gentlemen, the distance between Kush and Mitzrayim, which is Sudan and, and Egypt, not only made them rival at times, but mostly actually trade partners. 
If in Egypt we have 200 pyramids altogether, big ones in Giza and smaller ones, you know how many pyramids we found in Sudan, in Kush? Take a look at those photos. We found 2,000 pyramids all across Sudan, predominantly in the northern part, which is neighboring with southern Egypt. And all of these photos, by the way, are from the Atlantic magazine. There's a beautiful article about this. But I want you to know, two, 10 times the number of pyramids in Egypt were found in that particular uh, place. It's unbelievable. I want you also to know that, so Pharaoh Tirhaka mentioned in 2 Kings 19, notice that the, the Bible uh, correctly identified this specific Pharaoh as a Cushite king. And if you go to the Hebrew, you see that this is the army of Cush and Egypt. He was known as a Cushite Pharaoh from Cush. Now, let's go to the Ethiopian eunuch. Because again, this is not a Hebrew text. This is a Greek text. And by New Testament times, black people from the African kingdom of Cush had come to be known as Ethiopians from the Greek word Aethiops. Aethiops, which means burnt face or burnt skin. Ethiopia in the Bible times is not to be confused with the modern country of Ethiopia. It refers largely to the country of Sudan. In Acts 8.27, we read that there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. Now, like, take a look at this. That's another reason we know it's Sudan. Because queens who ruled the Kushite kingdom of Meroe, Meroe, it's, it's Sudan, were known as Kandakes. Kandakes meaning royal women. They were mentioned frequently in ancient writings. When Latinized, the K becomes C, and then we get the word Candace or Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. And so it's a dynastic title, like Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, Yavin, the king of Hazor. These are not given names. That's a title. One of the most famous Candakes was Queen Ammonitore, who ruled in the early mid-first century AD, which we believe was the boss of the Ethiopian eunuch. Thus, the Ethiopian eunuch was likely an official of Candake Ammonitore's court. And he was from the Nubian kingdom of Meroe, which is Libya, Sudan of today, located in modern-day Sudan. So you can clearly see that... Um, Sudan is indeed the ancient Kush. Now, why do I mention that? Take a look at what the Bible says in Ezekiel 38. Take a look. Now, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tuval, and prophesy against him. And say, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against you, O Gog, the title of the ruler of Russia, as you can see. Let's move on. 
And you can clearly see uh, when I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws and lead you out with all your army horses and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. And look what he says, Persia. He says here, Ethiopia, the Hebrew word Kush and Put, which is Sudan and Libya are with them. All of them with shields and helmet. Wow. So not, not only that Sudan was important biblically in the Old Testament and also in the New Testament, we hear about this eunuch. But we also hear that in the future war of Ezekiel, it's not Ethiopia. It's Sudan, Libya, which I just told you how Iran can easily take advantage of this situation and gain control over those places. Fascinating, quite amazing. You see, one of the passion uh, that I have is to take people around to the different Bible lands, not only to Israel, but also we go to other places where events took place. In fact, let me mention to you that this year in the month of October, we're going to have in the footsteps of Paul tour and cruise uh, October 13th to 23rd, which will give you a cruise both in, in, in Greece, in the Greek Isles and Turkey, but also there is a land portion where we will visit Athens and Corinth and also uh, Thessaloniki. So um, this is a small group of 20-something people. We are opening it right now. Go to our website if you want to register. It's just for 20-something people, small group. Pastor Mike will be there in the cruise. I will be there in Athens and Corinth. And this will be a wonderful time for all of us. If so, go to our website. And if you want, you can join us there. Look, again, I want to conclude with telling you, get this book. And not only get one, but get to your loved ones. This can change a lot of how they think. And for you, if you want to study more, there's a study guide as well. We really want to reach Friday night with a certain number that will cause the big ones to get them to their shelves on their brick and mortar stores. So help me there to do that. Thank you again. Let me proclaim the ironic blessing upon you and keep staying posted uh, on Telegram. Let Once again, let me show you how you can follow me on Telegram. I'm telling you, this is the most important source of news for you. And no wonder why I'm being silenced there. Trust me, every day, uh, you know, I can see that people are, are struggling because their own countries are blocking access because this is a big threat. Let me hear something, folks. Let's get the camera back to me. But this is a QR code, so you can go to my Telegram channel. But let me tell you, in Brazil, there's a new government of socialist, radical, very crazy, crazy government. And that government blocked the Brazilians from access to Telegram. Why? Because Telegram, they cannot control. <laughs> this is not a platform where they can bribe some of the social media that are anyway liberals. This is where you can hear the truth. And so the Brazilians don't have access to Telegram right now. And I'm working in my mind on solution for them. But I'm telling you, Telegram is the app. Follow me there. Let me pray 
יברכך אדוני וישמרך, יאר אדוני פניו אליך ויחונקה, יישא אדוני פניו אליך וישם לך שלום. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance towards you and give you shalom, peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding that can only come from the Prince of Peace. He is also the Lord of Peace who can give you peace now and forever here and everywhere. He is Yeshua. That's his name, and in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. I love you. Get the Has the Tribulation Begun. If you want to join me in Greece, in Turkey, go to our website. And until the next time, please follow me on Telegram. Thank you. God bless you. And Shalom from Galilee. Bye-bye. Join the Amir Sarfari and Behold Israel channel on Telegram. Here you will receive daily updates and audio messages from Amir. You can also take part in our community and reply with comments. Getting started is easy. Simply download Telegram from the App Store, then visit the Behold Israel Telegram channel in your browser. From there, click Preview Channel, then click Join. That's it. See you on Telegram.